the Lord for him putting me where I am today. Joshua chapter number 24, starting at verse number 14. We'll read verse 14 and 15. Thank you for your patience for standing. We'll read these two verses and we'll jump right into the word. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. That is what we are missing in our world today. I honestly could stop there and just preach on that. Just the fear of the Lord. Joshua is getting the attention of the people saying, now, now, therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, then choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. You see how he gave them both scenarios. Either you're going to stay stuck in the old mindset old ways serving old things that you should be delivered from but if you're over that are you going to serve the things that's surrounding you right now because he could have just said on the other side of the flood back in Egypt and they would have thought what they were doing now was okay but Joshua was trying to get their attention to say no the very life that you're living now is not pleasing unto the Lord go help somebody today because God can break every chain he can destroy every yoke he can move every mountain but wait there's more you can still not be delivered deliverance is not when the chain breaks I'm not preaching a new philosophy that's when you're set free Deliverance is when you move on beyond the captivity. Amen. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God, speak to our hearts right now, Lord. Speak to us, Jesus. We need you right now. Lord, who are we going to serve? We've got to make a choice today. Are we going to serve the gods from the other side of the flood? Or are we going to serve the gods right here in the land that we dwell? Or are we going to have the mindset, as for me in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. This is your church, O oh Lord. These are your people. We are your sheep. I am your vessel. Use me, God, to speak every word that is intended. I pray that my flesh will not get in the way. In Jesus' name that we pray. Somebody say amen. You ready to receive it? Clap your hands unto the Lord. Please be seated. I want to preach today a little bit on a subject that I spoke earlier about what the Christian home should really look like. 
What the Christian home should really look like. If we were to go down either direction in either neighborhood surrounding this church, if you were to ask them, are they Christian? A large percentage of them would probably say yes. But would you mimic, endorse the things that happen or take place in their home? Would their home represent a Christian home? I would like to start this sermon off with a very unusual question. It's only unusual because it's a question we rarely ever ask. That question is, what is your family's vision? What is your family's vision? Is there a vision for your household? I want us to think about that for a moment. I have personally discovered that it all begins with a vision for the family. I hate put, I have to put, excuse me, I don't hate it, but I have to put uh, a lot of time and effort praying for the vision of this church. But then I begin to think, what is my own family's vision? Do I have a vision for my own household? The amount of time and hours that I put into this church and I'm always thinking about what's next and what can we do to improve and where is the Lord taking us and lead me and guide me, Lord, for the body of Christ. But then the Lord began to deal with me and say, well, are you thinking the same way for your family? Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, people perish. Perish means to lose restraint. In the Greek, it means to become uncovered. What happened to Adam and Eve when they lost their vision? They became uncovered. Well, some may say, no preacher, you're wrong. The Bible says that their eyes were open and they noticed that they were uncovered. I would say, no, you are wrong. They lost their vision of who they were. They lost their vision of what they already had. Their eyes were open to a new reality they wish they could change. Another version of Proverbs chapter 29, verse number 18 says this, without vision, people run wild. <laughs> we often speak of this verse in relation to leadership. And yes, leaders must have vision. But mostly everyone here today is a leader in their own home. So I must ask the question today, what vision has God given you for your family? Or are you and your family just going in circles? You've left Egypt, you've left bondage, yet still you're not delivered from your past. So the question must be asked, where are you going or what is your destination? Is it going to be desert land or is it going to be the promised land? I spoke this morning concerning Abraham and how he had a vision, how he said, my son and I are going up to worship and will return because my God will provide himself a lamb for the sacrifice. Someone today needs a vision. 
that you are choosing this day to be a worshiper that you're choosing this day to be someone that has joy in your life to have peace in your home to kick the devil out and give him an address change notification it's one of my favorite songs that the carson sings speaking of us going from here to glory but many of us need to tell that devil he needs an address change notification because he's been dwelling too long in our lives and we need to make a mindset a speech if you will today out of our mouth that says i'm not going back to the old me a vision is God's idea revealed to mankind. So the vision for your family and my family must come from God. Know that God's plan for you and your family is designed to filter down to the generations to come. The blessings of God usually extend beyond your immediate union. What I'm simply saying is that God is interested in blessing you. He's interested in blessing your children. He's interested in blessing your children's children for generations to come. We just sung the song, may his favor be upon you. And thousands, generations, and your family, and your children, and their children, and their children. May his favor be upon you. And a thousand generations, and your family, and your children, and their children, and their children. May his presence go before you and behind you and beside you, all around you and within you. Why? Because he is with you. He is with you. The family vision will only come from God and can be birthed only out of prayer and consecration before him. So I want to challenge everyone before we go any further over the next few days. I want you to gather your family together. Or you on your own and seek the face of God for his plan and purpose for your life and the lives of your children. I'm going to say that one more time. I want to challenge everyone before we go any further. Over the next few days, gather your family together. Or if you, you're all by yourself. I want you to seek the face of God for his plan and the purpose for your life and the lives of your children. Desire God's will and pray a few times throughout the day because I promise you, God will not disappoint you. And as you seek him with a pure and sincere heart, he will give you what you desire. Because I have a burden upon my heart for my own family. And I have a burden for the families of this church. But one thing that we must make up in our minds here today is that whatever cycle that has hindered you and your family and the growth in God, that cycle must stop. Even in the natural, we need to speak against the cycles of debt. We need to seek, speak against the cycles of poverty. Speak against the cycles of abuse. All types of abuse. Whether it's mental, whether it's emotional, whether it's physical. Whatever the abuse is, we have to speak against those cycles because those cycles must stop. Anything else that plagues your family from one generation to the other, those cycles must stop. If we have things that are happening in our life and we know that our fathers and our father's fathers dealt with those things, we should not be allowing ourselves to deal with those things any longer. 
Why wake up every single day saying, well, this is just how it is because my family dealt with this, because my grandparents dealt with this. See, that is a deceptive lie from the devil. He doesn't want you to be financially free. We have too many people in this church that have good incomes, that make wise decisions with their money that you can go to and talk to for you to not always be in debt. But you have to be willing to humble yourself and go to somebody and say, hey, I need some help in this area. Because it's not the will of God. We should be the lender, not the borrower. It's not the will of God. It's okay if we live there for a short time. But no, God says you got to come out of that because that's not the will and plan that I have for you. And we don't have to go through abuses and all these things that have plagued our families for years. Because someone else was abused and now all of a sudden that father is abusing their child. And guess what that child is going to end up doing? Walking right into an abusive relationship. Because they think that's normal. That's not normal. So we have to stop the cycle. We always say greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. Well, we need to put the Bible to application. To where when we quote the word, we believe the word and then we go after what the word says. So what's your vision for your family? Mm -hmm. It should be that the cycle stops. Not next year. I'm not going to begin in January of 2020. No, it stops today. Because I shouldn't be dealing with depression because depression is in my family. I'm dealing with loneliness because I'm just have this spirit of loneliness that has always plagued me and been upon me. No, that, that, that's, that's a deceptive lie from the devil. I'm dealing with fear all the time. I'm always fearful. No, we, we've got to stop that cycle. You've got to speak to the mountain that is in your way and believe that God is able to remove the mountain. But the mountain is removed from your words. Oh, I think this side, believe me. The mountain is removed from your words. The Bible says for us, we have to speak to the mountain. Be thou removed. The Bible says it will be cast into the midst of the sea. So whether it's depression, loneliness, fear, anxiety, the Bible says what you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. What you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. See, the devil attacks the family because the family affects on all of society. The majority of societal problems in the world stem from problems in the family. Incest, physical abuse, alcoholism, poverty, infidelity, pornography, homosexuality, single parent households, high school dropouts. That's just to name a few. See, the church in the past really had to address such issues, but now it's forced. It's at the front door of the church. And it must be at the forefront of our discussions. I thank the Lord that we were able to dance and shout and really receive the victory because now we've got to get down to some nitty gritty things and, and to be able to overcome, to live a victorious life. Because once I'm done jumping, when my feet hit the ground, I got to be able to walk in this thing. I got to be able to walk in victory. I can't leave out of here just the same way I walked in here feeling depressed like I don't have any victory. We sing all the songs that we have victory. We dance and run around the aisles, but now I've got to know that God plans for me to have victory. 
victory in every part of my life though there shouldn't be one area of your life that you can look at and say I don't have the victory there well today honey we've got to attack that area and say I'm coming out of depression I'm coming out of loneliness I'm coming out of anxiety I'm coming out of fear no more debt no more poverty oh I wish I could preach to a church in here I'm coming out this area. No longer will I deal with that in my home. My children and my children's children won't have to deal with something because I'm afraid to cut it off at the head. Hallelujah. Whether you're a house full like the Robinsons, whether you're all by yourself, you better have a vision for your household. I'm challenging every married couple, every person, if you're, like I said, if you're by yourself, but gather, get together, pray, and ask the Lord, what's the vision? Amen. Every man in here, get the family together, explain what the vision is. Talk to the children, talk to your wife. Want to be the man? That's where you be the man at. You ain't the man just because you raise your voice louder than her. That don't make you a man. It makes you a man when you can fall on your face. Cry out to the Lord. Get a vision for your family. Pray over your children. Lay hands on your wife. Lay hands on your children. That's a man. Hallelujah. Joshua said, that's for me and my house. I run this thing. No, he didn't say that. Hold on. <laughs> no, old sister Carson yeah I'm gonna have to get him later no he says for me and my house we will serve the Lord that was his statement amen yeah and if there, there's no man around or the man just chooses not to do it well praise God we need a Deborah to step up Oh, praise God. I know, I know. I'm, don't, don't move your toes out the way, okay? Keep them right there now. Someone to step up and rise up in that household. We need a vision for the family. Because we're not going down the same path, this same cycle that we've been going down. Uh-uh. Can't happen. Somebody say, stop the cycle. See, God cares about individuals. He even cares about broken families. Psalms chapter 68, verse number 5 says... A father of the fatherless. He's a father of the fatherless. And a judge, that word judge there means defender. I love that. He's a defender of the widows. Glory be to God. You can feel like you're all by yourself, but God is there as your defender. The Bible says in James chapter 1 verse number 27, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction. And what? And to keep himself unspotted from the world. What does it say? That's what pure religion is. That's, that's what it is. Keep yourself unspotted from the world. You know, I heard all throughout the year of 2020, the church has left the building. And for many, that was true, even for us. We increased dramatically such a strong social media presence, and I thank the Lord for that. 
There are people here today because of our social media presence. People who are even watching now because of our social media presence. We left the building and we started our own television broadcast. There are many that have come because of our television broadcast. There are many that have come in here today, visited our church, become members of our church because of our television and social media broadcast. And most of all, what I'm thankful for, there are many that have been baptized and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. But now it's 2021. Has the church still left the building? Or have we just all come back into the building? See, in 2020, many found out that their personal relationship was not where it should be. Some still have not returned. We found out and realized the importance of assembling ourselves together. The gathering of believers, how much fun it is and how we need family, how we need one another. I want to challenge us because I don't just want us to have the mindset that now that we're back in the building, we don't need to continue to reach out beyond the walls in 2021. It was amazing to me. I can just talk about this for another minute. The enthusiasm beyond, about going beyond. I want to know, church, do we have that same enthusiasm about going beyond? Not just relying on social media, not just relying on our television broadcast, but relying on you and I to be a witness to somebody else. The greatest tool that we find in the book of Acts that people use was their own home. If someone was to come into your home, let me rephrase that. Could you even invite someone into your home and your home be a godly enough home to win somebody to Christ? I want you to think right now, the condition of your home, could you bring someone in and they leave delivered? Could you bring someone in and they leave set free? Could you bring someone in and you lay hands upon them and they receive the gift of the Holy Ghost? Could you bring someone in? They say, I want to be baptized right now. Well, praise God, I can't get a hold of my pastor, but we got a bathtub right back here. Oh, y'all don't hear me in this place. Amen. Let's fill this thing up. That's how my grandfather was baptized. Remember, where there is no vision, the people perish. The true Christian home should reflect and teach 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse number 1. It says, rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren, the elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters, with all what? Purity. Honor widows that they are widows indeed, that are widows indeed. Please do not correct my children when they say yes, sir, and yes, ma'am to you. I, I, I'm going to talk to this church tonight. Don't, don't correct my children if they say yes, ma'am, and yes, sir. So, no, no, you don't have to say that to me. I'm just... 
I'm just sister this. I'm just, no, no, no. Me, my wife and I, we teach that to our kids. We tell them, no, you say yes, sir. You say yes, ma'am. No, sir. And if they don't, we correct them. So don't stop them from doing that. Amen. And now they're kids. They get to running around, acting. They're kids. But uh, slow down. Don't be running. Slow down. Watch out. Say excuse me. Say thank you. Now I know the popular thing is to call everybody by their first name. I know that's a trend. Uh, if that's your trend, that's okay. But we teach our kids not to do that. So if my kids call you by your last name, brothers and sisters, they say, no, I, yeah, I make me sound like my daddy. I'm not that old. You make me sound like my mother. My kids are going to call you by your, uh, your last name. All right? Don't, 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 don't correct my kids on that. Because it's, not, it's, it's a principle that I'm trying to put into these young people. The world has lost respect for elders. They don't want to wait and hold the door open or be nice and be respectful. No, they just blow them right by. That's what the world does. No, we, we won't teach that principle here in this church. Praise God. Teach the young. Why? Because it's Bible. Rebuke not an elder. Don't be going around telling somebody, you better be quiet, shut up, or they rolling their eyes. Uh-uh. I'm going to roll them eyes right back. Praise God. Because it's Bible. But entreat him as how? As a father. Come on, put this scripture back on the screen, please. First Timothy chapter 5. And the younger men as brethren, the elder women as mothers, were to show respect. But you know where that's taught? In the home. Oh, it doesn't take long. Now, I'm not talking about Star City. Everybody's good here. But when we go to other churches and we see other young people not treating their elders with respect and doing things that they should not be doing to the older generation, my wife and I say, yeah, they learned that from home. Because kids just don't do and say those things. They heard that from mom and dad. That's where that came from. I'm telling your parents, be careful what you say and how you act around your children. Because they pick up on 85, 85% of what kids learn is based on what they see. Hallelujah. Yes. It's what they see, what they see at home, how they act and what they do. Praise God. It's important. These things should be taught in the home. This is what a Christian home should reflect. This is what we should be teaching in the home. Ephesians chapter number two, verse number eight. The true Christian home should reflect and teach this. For by grace are you saved through faith. Somebody say, I'm not better than anybody else. That's learned at home. Hallelujah. Uh-huh. Oh, you better believe it. We have talks. No, no kids. Your father may be the pastor of this church, but don't think you better than anybody else here. Don't think you're going to get special privileges. Now, there's going to be some things that people do for you just because of who you are, but you better respect, receive that with all humility because as quick as it comes, it can quickly go. Amen. That's taught at home. If kids are looking down, you know that, that, that we always talk about uh, children with low self-esteem 
and the effects of that. You know that bullying comes from people with high self-esteem. The percentages are greater on the ones that have high self-esteem. They're the ones that are the bullies in schools. Oh, you better check me. I'm telling you, I'm teaching facts now. We can't think we're higher than anybody else. That's taught in the home. Can't think we're better than anybody else. Praise God. And it should be taught. The scripture says, for by grace are you saved. Through faith. And not of what? Not by yourself. You didn't get to where you are just by yourself. It's because of the grace and mercy of God. That's why we are who we are. That's why we have what we have. It's because of the grace and the mercy of God. That's it. So we can't think we're better than anybody else. Not the church down the road. Not the church down the other side of town. We can't think we're better. Ooh. For by grace are you saved through faith. And not of yourself. Why? Because it's the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Can I keep preaching? The true Christian home should reflect and teach 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 9. Know ye not that the unrighteousness shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived if you're a fornicator, if you are an idolater, if you are an adulterer, nor effeminate. You know what effeminate is? Oh, I, I can explain that. That's someone that is soft, a man that is sissified. Uh-huh. You can look that word up in the Hebrew and Greek. It says male prostitute. Men with men, effeminate. That's what the scripture says. Verse number nine says, know ye not the unrighteous? These people will not inherit the kingdom of God. But see, this stuff has to be taught in the home. Praise God. Yeah. We got to teach our children and our loved ones in the home. Say, hey, this is what the Bible says. I know you may have friends that act this way. I know you may have friends that feel this way. I know the school system is saying it's okay. I know the world is saying everything that it's all right and that we have an equality act that everybody's trying to pass and all our government is trying to do certain things to bring everybody just together. But we got to stand on God's word. See, this stuff right here is not hard to preach. It's just hard to accept. It's not hard to preach God's word. I just read it and I say, you, you can hate me all you want. This is God's word. And he says, if I do any of this stuff, I'm not going to heaven. So I've got to make sure I'm not a fornicator. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not a feminist. I'm not an abuser. I'm not a thief. I don't covet. I don't get drunk. Because I won't go into heaven. So when children ask, mom and dad, is this okay? Because my friends were talking about, it. well, let's open up the Bible. And let's read the word. What does the Bible say about these things? I'm teaching about a Christian home. 
Praise God. Who's to say we won't have another shutdown? Who's to say something else won't break out in this world? Who's to say we won't have to be able to have church for a little while in our home? Who, we don't know what's coming. What if, the, what, what, what if that devil somehow gets into certain governmental people and different things and now all of a sudden we don't have internet? Because the internet is being ran by the government and the only way you can have internet is if you bow to what their demands are. I'm telling y'all, I'm trying to get us ready. We have to have a home that reflects the kingdom of God. And now we can't rely on the preacher or the teacher to give us instruction. But the parents in the home have to open up the Bible and say, thus saith the Lord. Verse number 10 in 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, it says, nor thief. Better tell that kid, stop stealing. I'm trying to tell my two-year-old, stop that stealing. Nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, none of them shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. <laughs> it goes back to what I said in Ephesians. Don't think you're better than anybody. Don't get all high-minded on us now. Because some of you is the exact same way. But we have been washed. We've been sanctified. We've been justified. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Oh, we ought to take a moment. Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord. Let's love him right now. Thank you, Lord. Please be seated. I'm thankful we've been brought out. But we have to stay out. Well, I, I, I sure hope I got your attention. Do I still got your attention? Our society enthusiastically cultivates the academic, athletic, recreational, and professional aspects of their child's lives while not tending to their spiritual and moral development allowing the weeds to inhibit a living faith sadly the Christian parent embraces that same culture now I can preach on this you're looking at an athlete of all athletes I, I can talk about this I know as parents, we carry the responsibility of clothing, feeding, and sheltering. But we cannot defer entirely to the school system to educate our children. Neither should we defer entirely to our pastor, Sunday school director, our student pastor to disciple our children. I know what I'm preaching about. I've had fingers pointed in my face about decisions that I've made and decisions that I, I know what I'm preaching about. I've sat in meetings and had fingers pointed right in my face, not liking a decision that I was trying to make to help better the church and help move the young people along. Why? Because people would rather point the blame at a preacher instead of looking in the mirror saying, what can I do better to help my household? We don't let our kids come home and say, well, you don't have to do your homework today. 
we make them stay up late to get their homework done. But yet we don't put that same amount of effort into the kingdom of God. But yet we'll drive them all over the state, all over the country, most parents, to go to basketball and soccer and football and all these other sports. But yet we don't put in that same time and effort to do the things of God. When the things of this world are temporal and the things of God are eternal. Amen. I believe in supporting your kids and doing the things that they love to do, but you better believe him. If something is going on that's going to benefit my child, whether they want to or not, you get in a car and we're going. Hallelujah. I'm tweeting today about a Christian home. Because I don't want to point to a pastor and say, Pastor, why didn't you do better? Why didn't you do better with my kids? Why didn't you do this? I've got to be able to look myself in the mirror and say, what can I do better? What can I improve? I can't dwell. Now, help, let me help somebody. Don't dwell on the past. All I can focus on is right now. God, I'm here right now. I'm preaching into somebody's right now. I'm not talking about last year. And I'm not talking about 2020 or even up to this point in 2021. I'm talking about on this day going forward. What are the things that I can do to have a better apostolic home? Bible says in Proverbs 22 and 6, train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he won't depart from it. Brother Mike, when you were training for football, did you just train once a week? Once a month? A couple times a year? Well, how did you become this wonderful elite I'm going to stop there. <laughs> Great athlete. You trained every day. You pushed yourself when you didn't want to push yourself. You don't play at Purdue University by accident. Not on scholarship. That's an elite school. Great program. They only get the best of the best kids that trained every day. So I can't depend on just a few hours a couple times a week at church. That's not training. That's not training. That's not training. <laughs> huh. Training is every day. That means how I live is an example to my household. What I say, what I do is an example to my household. That means the only time my kids, it, it, let me rephrase that. Church is not the only time my kids hear the word. Woo. I, I'm telling you, I'm not upset. I'm trying to help us. That's all I'm doing. I'm just trying to help us. Church is not the only time the word should be talked about in the home or even heard in the home. Praise God. Because we're steady training. We're steady training. We're steady teaching. A true Christian home should reflect and teach Ephesians chapter 6 verse number 4. The Bible says, and ye fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath. 
Don't be pushing them so hard that they just want to push away. Can I help some parents in here? Don't provoke them children to wrath. Uh-uh. We discipline, but we help. We encourage. We instruct. We guide. We do it with love as Jesus has loved us. Because we all should be pushed away somewhere. But Jesus brings us in. He says, but bring them up in the nurture and what? Admonition of the Lord. Apostolic parents should exemplify gender roles. You ain't going to see me walking around my house in no dress. And you're not going to see my wife walking around my house in my clothes. We exemplify gender roles. Where my kids are going to know that's a man. And when they look for their husband, they're going to say, I want a man like my daddy. Now, they may not say amen on that right now. But amen. amen. That's right. We, they, we exemplify gender roles in the household. Exemplify moral righteousness, spiritual formation, ministry engagement, and true worship. It is essential to recognize that future renewal will be brought about by the descendants presently being trained in apostolic homes. Apostolic faith in the home is as vital for the development of parents as for the development of children. Each relationship dynamic grows the participation to full maturity as a reflection of the God who created them and causes them to imitate Christ. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians 5 verse number 1, be ye followers of God as dear children. The true Christian home should reflect and teach that we respect and honor our pastor. This is not hard to teach even though I'm talking about myself. This is Bible. The Christian home should teach Respect and honor your pastor. Brother Stevenson, who this church loves so dearly, and I can use him as an example because he's been around long enough to everyone knows him. You get the same thing with Brother Stevenson. He hasn't changed in years. But every time I walk into this church, early in the morning, Brother Stevenson's going to be here. You can count on that. Sitting over there in the lobby area, Every time I walk up to Brother Stevenson, he stands up every single time and shakes my hand. You can count on me. I tell Brother Stevenson every Sunday, please don't get up. Stay seated. He gets right on up. Now, it takes him a little while. <laughs> but he gets there. I hear a, Ugh. He gets on up. Brother Stevenson doesn't have to do that. You're talking about a man that has had multiple leaders within the church, respect for all the leaders, but yet here I am, 40-year-old man. He stands up every single time and says, because I respect my pastor. You're my leader. You're my pastor. And I want you to know I love you and I support you. Now, if someone in his age can do that consistently, parents, we ought to teach our children, don't just be running right by me. I'm trying to help us. Praise God. Let's just say, hey, hey, pastor. Hello. How you doing? 
It's the acknowledgement. It's principles. It's respect. Because you learn quickly who teaches it, who doesn't teach it. It starts in the home. Praise God. I shouldn't have no young lady just walking by me, flipping their head. Just get your little son. Where your mama at? Amen. They just walk right by me. Oh, hey, London. No, I won't. Don't be talking to my kid. You can't even talk to me. Listen, it's honor, it's respect. That's all that is. And you're teaching them, teaching them to acknowledge authority. Because it goes beyond me. We have an authority problem in our world. Oh, yes, we do. We have an authority problem. We've got to teach generations to acknowledge and respect authority, whether they think they're right or wrong. But you respect the authority. Amen? It's taught in the home. In Leviticus chapter number 14, it speaks of the law tasked to the priests. With examining any home where a spot was found that could represent a disease. The priest was to investigate the place, determining if the area was spreading. To scrape away the blemish and restore the home if possible. The importance of a house being cleaned, free from disease, is based on the awareness that whatever is in the home will affect its inhabitants. Accordingly, an apostolic faith in the home is essential if its inhabitants are to be apostolic as well. As emotionally and spiritually mature. The exterior decor may change with time, but the calling and significance of the home, it should never change. It should never vary. Apostolic faith in the home is always in style. What we need tonight is a reminder, and honestly, we need a renewed conviction of Genesis chapter 1, verse number 1. The first four words of the Bible will put all of us back into alliance. In the beginning, God. We need a renewing and a fresh conviction that we must put God first. In everything that we do, God must be first. If we want favor, we need to put God first. If we want his blessing, we need to put God first. If we need healing, we need to put God first. If we want deliverance, we need to put God first. If you want a better job, put God first. If you want a healthy marriage, put God first. Whatever it is, whatever you need, we need to put God first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto us we need a fresh renewing we need an outpouring right now of Genesis 1-1 in the beginning God because if we can get God first in our life and in our home watch what the Lord begins to do in your life if God was first but how we lose this thought process and how we lose the apostolic lifestyle in our home is not having God first. 
Once we put ourselves first or once we put other things before God, that's when we start losing control. That's when the cycle continues. Because God is not first. But in everything we do, he must be first. Let's stand to our feet. The Bible says in Colossians, and I'll end with this, chapter number one, verse number 18. Because God wants to be first in your thoughts. He does not want to be last. God wants the preeminence. For the scripture says, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. God first. God first. You want a Christian home? God first. We need things to change and adjust in our life? God first. We want the cycles to stop today? God first. Whatever we need, whatever you need, make it personal. It starts with God first. We cannot take another step without having the mindset that God must be first. I love how God sets the precedent from the first four words of the Bible. He sets the precedent. He says, I want you to know, Moses, write this down. This is important. Before we get to any of the creation, everybody needs to know, in the beginning, me. <laughs> it's me. It's God. I want to set a precedent right now that everybody needs to know that I'm first. It's the first thing he let the children of Israel know when they came out of Egypt. I'm first. Don't put no other God before me. It's the first commandment. God first. We honor the Lord with our first fruits. God first. Tithing. God first. Everything is God first. It comes right back to him. So when we look at the things that we're dealing with in our home and our life and the, and the cycles that have been passed down from generation to generation, we have to refocus and say, okay, God, you're first. I can't make another decision without making sure you're first. I can't go another day without making sure you're first. I can't pray another prayer without making sure you're first. That's why when his disciples said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. What's the first thing he came out of his mouth? Hold on, I want to hear him, huh? Our Father, which art in heaven. What'd he say? Hallowed be thy name. God first. God first. And everything that I'm teaching about today, young man, all comes down to that simple principle. God first. That's it. Struggle with thoughts that we shouldn't be thinking, get God first. We're searching the internet and we're clicking on things we probably shouldn't be clicking on. You need a fresh reminder that God's first. Struggling and battling with things that some of your friends have been talking about and you're just unsure what's right or wrong, God first. Just remember that it's God first. My home is not what it should be. 
I'm failing in that area. Well, I'm going to tell you this. Preachers come here today to not talk about your history, but to preach into your future. And to tell you today, it's God first. Young people, if your parents are not here today, you keep in mind God first. Because I've seen some of my good friends, loved ones, cousins, family members, whose mother and father was not as faithful to church as they should have been, should have been. But the kids stayed faithful because they learned, Brother Carson, God first. And they stopped the cycle. And now that they're older and they're married, they have children, guess what? They're right there teaching their kids God first. I know your grandparents were still praying for them. They're not where they need to be, but I stayed. See, some of you have that testimony. You stayed right here. Your parents may not be here, but you stayed right here. Because my brother, it's God first. It's God first. We need apostolic homes. But an apostolic home begins with God. He's not last. He's not a second thought. He's not an afterthought. He's not something that we go throughout the day and say, oh, I forgot. Oh, thank you, Lord. It's God first. I'm challenging homes. I'm challenging parents to rearrange everything that you've been doing if it hasn't revolved around God first. Every hand raised right now. And I want us to just talk to God right now. Come on, just begin to talk to him.